Hi, welcome back to the Hope Again podcast. As I was creating my August newsletter, I realized that August is officially National Wellness Month and National Happiness Month. I thought this would be a great podcast topic and would be the perfect opportunity to talk about what wellness actually means, how to practice self-care, and the benefits of laughter. As you all know, I believe that what we put in our body and how we treat our physical selves has a direct impact on our mental health, and I have a feeling my guest today has similar beliefs. Joining us today is Dr. Shivan Chaudhry. Dr. Shivan is an internal medicine and integrative medicine physician. He partners with you to integrate Western and holistic approaches to help you improve your health. His clinic offers a team-based integrative medicine approach to healing. Together, they explore the six pillars of health, nutrition, physical movement, mind-body medicine, Western medicine, herbs and botanicals, and complementary medicine. They believe with love, kindness, and support, we can conquer anything together. I love that last sentence. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited about this. Yeah, thanks. I love this. I really, they believe with love, kindness, and support, we can conquer anything together. And that is so true. I'm so glad that you have that in your description. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think we were trying to find the best way to describe our practice. And really, you know, I think this was the best way to kind of tell people that we're here for you. Um, Yeah, so I'm glad that you like that. Yeah, well, you know what? I find that oftentimes when people seek out help, they're desperate. And so whether that's mental health, whether they're calling me because they need to go to counseling or they're calling you because they have something that's been going on for a while and they're finally breaking down and calling the doctor at that point, oftentimes they're desperate and scared. And to know that they're coming somewhere that they're going to, you're going to love them and you are going to support them no matter what, that is such a relief. Absolutely. And I think I wish we could change that rhetoric because, you know, our practice is all about preventative care. And you're so right. More often than not, when people are coming to us, they've seen, you know, many physicians, they just don't feel well. Um, the whole idea of, you know, being desperation, you know, that, that, that to me, um, I wish we can change that with people. And, you know, this is our attempt telling you that, you know, we're your wellness team and we're here for you. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your practice. You guys are in <clears throat> California and Nevada. So tell the listeners what you do, what type of patients you see, what mm-hmm. type of care you provide. Sure. So, you know, I'm an internal medicine doctor. So I went through pre-med medical school residency, like your conventional MD. And then for some odd reason, I decided that wasn't enough. (laughs) So I ended up doing a fellowship in integrative medicine. Um, You know, just so you know about my training background, we learned from naturopaths, we learned from Ayurvedic practitioners, we learned from uh, healers, you know. Um, So so it was was just really exciting to be part of that. And uh, I was just so excited because this is things that are often missed in allopathic medicine. You know, I feel like energy medicine and use of herbs and botanicals, when I was in training, that was hardly even part of the curriculum, if if even talked about at all. So in our clinic, we have a team-based approach. We have several practitioners. We have an herbalist. We have a dietitian. Of course, I'm the MD. We also have a wellness coach. We have a therapist. So what we're trying to accomplish is we're trying to really build a wellness team for the client. So when that they come in, you know, they have all the support that they need. 
And what we also realize in the real world, you know, your naturopathic physician or your traditional Chinese medicine doctor is often not talking to the Western medicine doctor. So I think it really fills that gap. We work together. We're all about, like we said in our, you know, front, the first, you know, the sentence with love, kindness and support, we can conquer anything together. So that's what we're really trying to achieve here. We're really trying to build a wellness journey and we're all about prevention. I love that. And I, like you, hope that one day that transition happens and people are seeking out more preventative measures versus reactions. Somebody was giving a talk and they said, going to a therapist should be like going for your annual checkup or going to the dentist twice a year. We should be doing these things as preventative things, going to your naturopath or your MD as a preventative, just really and truly a checkup. How are you doing? Getting to know the whole person, the whole body, knowing what's going well, all of the things. And we would catch so much more in their infancy if we did that. Absolutely. That's such, such a critical thing. You know, oftentimes in integrative medicine, we don't just define health as the absence of pathology, which I think is lacking in allopathic medicine sometimes, not always, but sometimes. So really is the combination of mind, body, soul, and the spirit, right? I think that's why we need for this, um, this whole journey to be a little bit more, not just like, hey, I don't have this disease, but how am I actually feeling? How is my body doing? Do I feel centered? Do I feel grounded? Am I happy? You know, all these questions need to be asked. And, and uh, yeah, you know, that's where the magic happens, I think. And that's when you can really live a fulfilling life. Okay, so I have to know, you said for some odd reason, I went back to school, but there's got to be a story <laughs> there, right? There's a reason that you did that, because whether it's a personal or story, yeah. or something, tell me why, because you had already done all of the years, all of the things, become an MD, and then you went and did more. So tell me. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest inspiration in my life to go back and learn more holistic medicine was my mom. Uh, you know, I'm Indian. And growing up, you know, it's funny, we didn't call this integrative medicine. This has been knowledge that's been passed out, you know, passed down by our ancestors. So when we got sick, and I was growing up as a kid and we had a stomach issue, we got a little decoction with fennel. We got a little peppermint. We got some ginger, right? My mom, who's a yogi and a Reiki practitioner, I was getting mind-body medicine lessons even when I was, you know, 12 years old. I mean, nobody likes it at the time. No 12-year-old, hey, like, why don't you do some breath work? <laughs> it wasn't, you know, as fun, but I, I grew up with it. So to me, though, that wasn't really integrative medicine at all. That was just medicine. So you know, when I was in training, my mom one day tells me, hey, why don't you go take a Reiki class and, uh, you know, go to a Reiki healing center? And I said, okay, well, I've never really, you know, tried this, but maybe I will. So uh, I was in LA at the time for training and I go to the first, uh, you know, Reiki circle that I could and I absolutely loved it. And I was like, I don't know why we're not talking about these kind of things in, in regular medicine. And so I think I was born to do integrative medicine. I think it's funny because my mom will now sometimes say, so you went through all that training and you're telling people take licorice and peppermint. She's like, I could have told you this from day one. <laughs> so I think that's the story, sort of why I got interested in it. Mm, mom's always right. Mom's always right. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I love that. And that's such a unique experience because you came from an Eastern philosophy, knowing that you wanted to get into medicine, but having that personal experience. And now before we started recording, you have this really great opportunity to be helping teach future doctors about this, mm-hmm. um, these methodologies and these herbs and the energy healing that's been around for centuries, but just mm-hmm. hasn't been here in Western culture. Yeah. So part of the things that I do is one of them is teaching. And I, and I love, absolutely love talking about integrative medicine. So I'm currently at a UNLV as a adjunct faculty there designing their integrative medicine curriculum and teaching uh, integrative medicine. I think the reason why I find this very meaningful is um, in the academic world, you know, there's not enough research and money allocation and time that's being put into really just understanding and really uh, getting to getting to learn these, tech, uh, you know, these methodologies a little bit more. So I think being in an academic center, talking about, you know, integrative medicine can be evidence-based is super, super important to me. Um, I think there's sort of a, there's sort of a shift that I'm seeing <clears throat> in the academic world. I think especially with COVID in the last couple of years, we realized that we don't have all the treatments. We don't know every single thing about every single disease process. So I think looking at other people and getting guidance from other types of alternative and complementary medicine is important. And one other thing that I would like to point out, which, you know, if I have any physicians that say, hey, you know, why should we be interested? And the answer is pretty simple because your patients are, (laughs) right? Because even when you look at the, in the United States, we have 40% of uh, American population is currently consuming CAM therapy, which is complementary alternative medicine. So the simple answer is, I think working knowledge of these different philosophies is important now as physicians and as almost any practitioner, really. That's such a great point. And you said 40%. And I would guess that a big chunk of that 40% is just trusting a friend of a friend. Yes. I mean, that is, of course, a big challenge in integrative medicine because we don't have all the you know, boards that are strictly being regulated. And and that's the real issue because I will often have patients that are coming in, you know, and their Western medicines have so many interaction with the herbs and botanicals. And we have to kind of really sift through that and say like, hey, are we doing more harm than good here? So I think that's absolutely a great point. There's too much misinformation on the internet. Part of why we are trying to really get this team-based medicine approach is that we are talking to each other. So if our herbalist starts a, you know, new botanical for our clients, I, you know, we know the herb drug interactions that could potentially happen. So we're really monitoring that carefully. So I, I think that's a great point. We really need to make this, you know, more standardized, more boards need to be, you know, uh, need to be available, more regulation needs to be put into place. And I think things are changing, right? I think even in the you know, in the world of MDs, we have so many fellowships that are now training us uh, to be integrative medicine physicians. So, so I'm glad the things are changing, even though it's been slow, but I, I certainly see the progress. Yeah. And it's so, I don't know, exciting to see the change and I'm glad we're here for it. Yes. 
Super so, bad. <laughs> so August is National Wellness Month. And I would just like to know, how would you define wellness? I think I would like to just kind of repeat that sentence. I think wellness and health needs to be defined when your mind, body, and soul is in alignment, right? So I, I really think wellness as as a whole needs to, you just need to get your body into balance. And that, that's how you achieve wellness. That's how you feel happy. And that's how you achieve, you know, optimal health. Mm. So lots of times when people are struggling with depression or anxiety, we know Mm -hmm. they're not, they're out of balance. And so if we know we're out of balance, saying getting back in balance is easier said than done sometimes. So, So how do we do that? How do we get back into balance? Absolutely. So, you know, in my practice, we've designed a six pillar approach for clients and it really is to get that piece. How do we get ourselves back into balance? So I think when you're thinking about balance, you have to think about some key elements. So for example, nutrition, right? What am I eating? You are what you eat. So I think that's going back to the basics, right? Do I have enough servings of healthy fats? Do I have enough fiber in my diet? Do I have enough micronutrients? Am I deplete in any nutrient? So we do a pretty extensive, uh, you know, digging of like, hey, what am I really eating, right? We also, we also just prescribe mind-body medicine. I think everybody needs to have a mind-body practice that they practice on a daily basis, just like how you would brush your teeth, you would, you know, you would basically give your brain a little floss to a mental floss. Right? <laughs> so I think that's important. So we do everything from laugh yoga to breath work to even just journaling, right? These are all things that you could add. Basically, you can add this a five minute thing to your daily regimen and feel better. So I think, you know, that that's an important part of it. It's also physical movement, right? How much I'm moving? Am I moving enough? Am I getting the right types of movement, right? I think one thing in the U.S. that we all kind of know about is strength training, and we all kind of know about cardiovascular. But we sometimes are not very good at talking about balance and flexibility, which a lot of things like Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, all these other sorts of um, you know physical movement practices are talking about that. So we really try to encourage at least adapting some form or fashion of that. Um, and so I think, you know, between all that stuff, those are, those are the big things. And we also work on your Western medicine. We work on like herbs and botanicals. There's a lot of things that we could do. We also offer complementary medicine, but those three things I think are, are key. And if you could add just one thing in each category, that would be, that'd be great. And I think that would get your body right into balance. Yeah. And sometimes when somebody is struggling with a mental health illness, the idea of even getting up to exercise can seem overwhelming. But Mm. like you're saying, if we can just look at these categories and say, what is one thing I can do when I go to the grocery Mm -hmm. store? Can I take an extra lap around the grocery store while walking on the outside aisles? So I'm two birds, one stone, getting to Mm. see some extra produce that I normally wouldn't see and um, fruits and veggies. And I'm also getting a little bit of exercise. So picking one thing that we are but we're also focusing on our nutrition and our exercise, our body, our physical health, um, and then getting outside 
in seeing the sunlight. We know that the sun plays such an important role in serotonin production and mm. mood elevation and in our sleep regulation and all of the things. And so I like that you're saying, just pick one thing from these categories and just do one yep. thing at a time. Exactly. Just to make it simple, do what you can do what you like to do. I think if you pick things like that, uh, you'd be better off instead of, like you said, you know, there's a lot of restriction. There's a lot of things that sometimes um, it's difficult to do, quote unquote, I think. And just picking the ones that you feel like you could actually dedicate yourself and, you know, get going with it. I think that's, that would be the big thing. So yeah, absolutely. And I like that if you pick one, normally one of those few things going outside, eating an apple, um, getting a little bit of extra exercise, grounding yourself, taking your feet, shoes off and going outside. Any one of those things, if you do it, you immediately feel a little bit better. And so that's incentive and encouragement to keep going. Those are things that I love. I always say these are quick, free fixes. We can do this to get a little bit of a motivation, enough motivation up to keep going, to keep doing the things and making the lifestyle changes. Absolutely. That that's, that's totally right. Just picking, just doing one healthy thing. It's kind of a cycle and you're going to be like, okay, well, this was kind of fun. And what else can I do? <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So you mentioned laughter yoga. I've mentioned it a few times on this podcast and I've done it a few times on yoga, uh, YouTube. And I learned about it during, I think the first year of COVID and I was just learning, okay, what can we do to stay well during COVID people are stuck inside. And so I was doing a whole bunch of research. And so I've only known about laughter yoga for, um, two years, but I love it. So can you talk about it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, um, I grew up um, in, so with an Indian background, I'll tell you, there's laugh yoga just everywhere. If when you go to India, there's people that are in circles, just laughing and one would be like, what is going on? But they're actually doing some laugh yoga. Um, I think it's, it's, it's really just easy. Like laughter is the best medicine, right? And we have so much research that's backing it up. It can actually help with your cortisol level. It can help with reducing inflammation. There's just so much good that can come out of just simply laughing for a few minutes. Now, I wanted to point out, this also is, laughing is easy when you're happy, but it really can become difficult when you're having a bad day or if you're having you know, difficulties in your relationship or work life or whatever. So those are the types of commitments. And those are the days when you can just dedicate those five minutes of laughter. That's when it really counts. So what we try to do in our practice is we'll just prescribe five minutes of laugh yoga with your significant other or with your, with your son or daughter or mom or grandma or whoever it is. Right. And I think that's really effective. And to remember that even when you're having the worst of the days, that's when it's going to count too. So make sure that you're not just laughing on the days when you're having fun, but also every other day. Yeah. I love that. I have a friend who she said growing up, whenever the dinner table was too quiet, her dad would say, okay, everybody just stop and laugh. And <laughs> immediately that boosts everybody mood. And we know that energy feelings are energy, right? Emotions are energy. Mm -hmm. And whenever you are laughing, you are sharing that energy with everybody in the room. And so it's contagious. It truly is contagious. And the best part of it is when you do laugh yoga, you may start off with a fake laugh, but when that fake laugh turns into a real laugh, 
nobody knows. And it doesn't matter what they've seen in research, that whether you're doing a fake laugh or a genuine laugh, there is no difference. Your body does not know the difference. So the effect of it is still the same, that you can re- reduce the you know, the cortisol level, the inflammation going on in your body, you can feel better, you can get your adrenals going better. So I, I think that's the beauty of it. When that fake laugh turns into a genuine laugh, you don't even know. And your body doesn't either. <laughs> it's amazing. So I tell people all the time, your brain believes what you tell it. If you're mm-hmm. speaking out loud negativity, if you're saying I'm a failure, I'm not going to do well, I'm miserable. I'm never going to get the promotion. If you say those things, you're speaking those things out loud and your brain treats that as reality. And so then we live up to those expectations. Well, the same is true with our positive thoughts. If we say those out loud, our brain believes that. And then I think that goes along with the laugh yoga too, is if you laugh, your brain doesn't know it's not real. And so our brains are brilliant, but they believe what we tell it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And it goes along perfectly. So August is National Wellness Month, but also National Happiness Month. Um, And so I think it was such a great thing that you brought up because if we can be happy, if we can practice happiness, our stress level decreases significantly. And we absolutely stress and cortisol causes inflammation and causes us to get sick. And the more stressed we are, the more likely we are to catch the flu and to catch the common cold and all of the things. Yeah. And it's an easy strategy (laughs) that anyone can do. (laughs) And it's free. (laughs) And it's free. Whether you're eight years old or 80 years old, it works. (laughs) Yep. I love that. Okay. So why would somebody need help? Why would somebody seek you out? What if they're doing the things they're practicing the six pillars of wellness? Um, what would be their sign to say, we kind of already talked about this, like everybody should come as preventative measures, but mm-hmm. what's, what's like the tipping point where you're like, come see us, come see us. We can take care of this before it turns into cancer, before it turns into a terminal thing, before it turns into a lifetime sentence of 20 medications a day. Like when is the time to come? Absolutely. So, you know, we have all sorts of people that come in. Some people have chronic health conditions such as autoimmune disorders, hypertension, kidney issues. So we, of course, take care of those patients as well. Some people come to us because they have things like brain fog and chronic fatigue, or simply they just say, doc, I just don't feel well. And so that's when we also say that, you know, your body is very intelligent. In Ayurveda, there's this concept of something called Purvarupa, which means that there's a prodrome before any pathology begins. So I want to say that a lot of times things that are ignored by, you know, the regular allopathic medicine, because maybe you're having things like gut health issues or brain fog or, or you can't concentrate or, um, or stress or anxiety, right? And, and the Western medicine doctor looks at your labs and say, well, everything checks out. Everything's fine, though. Your blood count's fine, your kidney function's fine, your liver function's fine. But the patient's like, well, I still don't feel well. I think that's that's their puvarupa, right? That's their prodromal phase. And, you know, 10 years from now, maybe they develop a condition, whether it's cancer, you know, autoimmune disorders. And we're like, well, your body was giving you signs this whole time. So that's where we also kind of excel. Well, you know, there's too many things that are in, are in our environment that are deleterious and that are not you know eat everything from the food supply to the toxins in the environment to the pollution in the air 
So I think it's being mindful of those things is very important. So in our practice, we really emphasize on gut health and brain health. So if you have issues with stress, if you have issues with energy, if you have issues with mood, please come see us. I mean, that would be a great time before you get the actual pathology. If you're having issues with constipation or if you're having bloating, if you're having weight gain and your gut health is not in sync, that's another time to come to us. Yeah, that's so good. Our bodies are designed perfectly and they speak to us. And if we're in tune enough to hear what our bodies are saying, even if your traditional doctor is saying your labs are fine, believe your body. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, you know, even something like pain, pain is not a disease. It is a response of the body. Same thing with inflammation. It's the response of the body to something. So what we say is go back to the basics, go back to the six pillars, go back to physical movement, go back to seeing what are we consuming, right? You know, there's mercury in your fish, there's arsenic in the brown rice, there's so many toxins that are just in your food supply. So that's one thing that we can easily fine tune and and say, hey, what can we do to just optimize your diet? That's so good. And I want to add to that. We, as a society, have been trained to look for the quick fix. We've been trained from pharmaceutical companies on commercials and ads on the radio to look for a quick fix. And the truth is you didn't get to where you were, even if it's a little pain in your gut or your little brain fog that you're not quite sure Mm -hmm. is a problem. It didn't happen overnight. It's been a lifetime of choices that most of us didn't make knowingly. We didn't know we're making choices that were going to mess us up. (laughs) And so if we understand that, then when we come to somebody like you and your clinic, then we also understand that nothing's going to change overnight. And so let's give it time. Let's give these six pillars time so that we can Mm -hmm. truly evaluate the food that we're eating and watch how our body changes and adjusts over time. Like how long would you say? You know, it's a journey. Nothing, nothing like you said, I mean, there is no magic pill or magic bullet that you could just, there's no magic fixes, right? And and I, I wanted to just kind of reiterate your point as well. I think that's a very, very good point. I think we're, you know, even if we look at something like obesity, we're really quick into saying, well, you know, this person's lazy. They don't work out. You know, they're not eating well. That's how they're getting there. But when we look at what we're doing with the food industry, I mean, we are part of why this is happening because as society and you know at the legislative level we've decided that you know our regulations you know we we subsidize you know corn because we need to make high fructose corn syrup right you know there are people in the food industry that are studying how much amount of cheetos dust on your fingertips is the right amount (laughs) so they're really making us addicted to these things yeah and and partially, I think, instead of play, you know placing blame on the individual, we have to realize that as a society, there's a lot of things. I mean, if I mix a little bit of cocaine in your food every day, I'm going to make an addict out of you. And like you said, it's not knowingly, because most of us are unaware of this fact that you know all these things are happening and going on. So I think you know that that's that's really you know, that's really the bigger point here, the bigger picture here that we need to be mindful, that we need to understand it's not a problem with the individual. It's a problem with 
of what the individual is facing every single day when they go out to the grocery store or every single day when they step out of their house, these are the things that they're going to be facing. Yeah. Which gives us a little bit of room to breathe and say, okay, that means that there's some little fixes that I can take. And maybe I don't have to have this lifetime sentence of feeling unwell. Absolutely. So we start off with some herbs botanicals. We start off by optimizing uh, your nutrition. Your, and over time, people people feel the difference, right? And even when we talk about herbs and botanicals, these are not supposed to be lifelong things. These are just supposed to be supportive while you get everything else in your body in check and balance. Right. Yeah, good point. And so if somebody is looking for a center like yours, but they're not mm-hmm. in California or Nevada, what would you suggest? Um, I, you know, I would say there, if you look for a integrative medicine trained physician and, you know, there's a lot of different ways of going about it. Uh, University of Arizona has a database where people can search in within your local communities to find um, the right type of integrative medicine practitioner. I think asking questions about, hey, what credentials you have is important. I think also, um, you know, seeing seeing what kind of services they offer, right? I think that's the other thing. And you want to make sure that you're the right fit for the, for the physician or, you know, the coach that you're working with. Because I think part of what we do really well is that, it's almost like we're your personal trainers and physical trainers that are helping you, right? Uh, because everybody knows that, okay, smoking is bad. And for the most part, there's a lot of things that we already know. But how do we, how do we reinforce that stuff? <laughs> and that's what our practice is trying to do, right? So I, I think there's a lot of different people that are out there that are doing great work. Everyone from a wellness coach to a physician to a naturopathic doctor I think you have to find the right fit. Um, if you're looking for just to sum it up, if you're looking for somebody that's who's an MD, certainly you can you know go through the University of Arizona database. There's also um, IFM database that you can go to to find a practitioner. Those are really good tips. Like you said, if you just search integrative medicine um, provider, there's certified integrative mental health providers. There's mm-hmm. naturopaths. There's if you just type in some of those keywords, you're going to find a list, and there are specific board certified certifications now that you can be looking for, right? Is IFM one of them? Is that what it's called? Yes. Institute of uh, Functional Medicine. They certainly are one of the uh, possibilities of how you can get trained as a physician in um, integrative and functional medicine. Now they are more functional medicine. Um, So just to be mindful of that, it depends on what you're looking for. Um, The University of Arizona program is more integrative medicine. So Yes, but that those would be two ways of going about it. Great. So basically what we've talked about today and what I'm hearing is to achieve wellness, you your mind, body, and spirit has to be in balance. Your thoughts, your physical self, where you're spending your energy, are you spending time feeling gratitude and happiness and joy, or are you spending time feeling and experiencing the negative? How is your balance with those three areas? And if they are out of whack, and if you're feeling unwell, that's a pretty big sign that it's time to seek out somebody to help you get back into balance before, hopefully before it becomes chronic. And if you're already at the chronic state, that doesn't mean that you're out of luck. 
Yeah, that's a perfect way to sum it up. Absolutely. I think seeking guidance early is always good. But of course, if you're suffering from a chronic health conditions, a condition and maybe you're tired of the uh, Western pharmaceutical approach, you know, then I think it'd be a great time to seek an integrative medicine provider, whether it's a physician or a dietitian or a mental health therapist. I think it all works and it all, they all have different areas of expertise. And I think just uh, being mindful, you probably want to pick the person that you connect with. I think that's really important, right? If, if, you know, same thing, if I, if I was a physical trainer, right. And I was seeing you at the gym, you probably want to have some sort of connection with, with your coach, with your guru. So I think that's, um, that's also an important part of the healing process. That's so true. And that's so important. You know, we always say that give somebody a chance and go there, but if you don't feel that connection or if you feel bullied, or if you feel like this just isn't a good fit, that's okay. You understand that your body is telling you something. Your mind is saying red flag, let's go somewhere else. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with either one of you. It's just not a good fit. And for healing, we know that healing happens in community and you want to have a community that supports you and loves you and is kind like Dr. Shivan's <laughs> is, is, but that's what you're looking for. You want to be in a community of people who are going to lift you up, who are going to provide hope for you and who are going to do the things that um, give you enough motivation for the next step. So I think that's such a good point to say. So tell me, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think is really important for National Wellness Month? Like we're talking about being well, um, or is there anything that we haven't covered that you think is really important to get out there in general? Yeah, I think I think we've covered most of it. Uh, you know, I did want to just piggyback off of what you just, your last comment. I think, you know, I often get, patients that come in and that who tell me, you know, I've been having all these symptoms. And finally, my practitioner said, it's all in your head. Mm. <laughs> you know, that and, and that, 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 that to me is, I think it's a failure of, um, you know, in some ways, the tools that we have in Western medicine, and to say it to somebody that, you know, it's all in your head is, I think those are, you know, that should just be taken out of the vocabulary of anyone who's practicing medicine and um, dealing with people's, uh, you know, health. Because, you know, uh, even something as simple as depression or anxiety, I, I think I, I would say it's not all in your head. Because if you've had a trauma in the past, your eyes saw something, your skin felt something, your gut had an interaction and a role to play with it. So just because the mind is the processing center and what they're really trying to say, okay, fine, there's a huge component of, uh, you know, psychological, psychosomatic things that are going on, but that's not necessarily, you know, just the problem of the brain. It's, it's, it's a problem of the whole body not being in sync. And it just goes back to say, even things like stress, anxiety, depression. And, you know, even when we say, and I'm really going to go, uh, against the green here a little bit when people say, well, it's a chemical imbalance. Well, how do we get there? I mean, if your serotonin is an issue or if your dopamine centers are not appropriately releasing the right amount of hormones or neurotransmitters, how do we get there, right? So I think that's really how you find root cause and that's how you figure out. So if, for example, you know, if you have gut health issues, but we uncovered that as as a kid, you had an eating disorder, of course, there's a connection. And of course, we need to focus on all of that. So, you know, I, I think it has to be a, 
approach where we don't just take one organ system and isolate it. And we have too many, you know, specialties in, um, in this world. We have cardiologists, we have, uh, you know, rheumatologists and endocrinologists and neurologists and whatnot. But I think what we really need to see is also somebody that deals with like, well, how are these organs kind of working together? And to say that, you know, um, how do we use energy healing and mind-body practices and nutrition and physical movement to just simply focus and get these different organs to work together? Mm, so good. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for that. That story about, and I know it happens multiple times, but just when you said it, my heart broke for that person because when the doctor says it's all in your head. So the name of my private practice is Hope Again right? And that we know that if you've lost hope, if there is no more hope, there is no more healing because you're, mm-hmm. you're stuck. And what a way to take away hope from somebody. Oh. I know it's very unfortunate. And, you know, uh, if, if, if it was only once that I've heard it, it would have been okay, but I've heard it multiple times. And I think, uh, you know, I think we need to sort of realize that sometimes we don't have all the answers and to say taking away hope from somebody and saying, well, it's all in your head and it's these physical symptoms that you're feeling is nothing else. I think that's, that's not the right way of going about it. Yeah. Me and you both. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shivan. I am so excited that you are here and I know that the listeners are um, going to appreciate this so much. You know, like I told you before we started, this is my second passion. So grief, Mm -hmm. but then whole body wellness. And I think they go together well, even though it might not seem like it. So thank you so much for that. The goal of this podcast is to instill hope through personal and professional stories of struggle and recovery, as well as explore ideas that help you navigate hard times in the healthiest way possible. Next week, we will be continuing this conversation on wellness by focusing on stress and overwhelm and how to move towards health, happiness, and wellness. You're not going to want to miss this next episode. As always, I want to say a special thank you to my subscribers. I am humbled by your desire to listen to the Hope Again podcast and love hearing about topics you want to learn about. Please reach out if I can ever support you. Remember, if you have lost hope in ever feeling good, calm, safe, or happy again, this is your invitation to try one more time and hope again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. Thank you for listening to the Hope Again podcast, where the light at the end of the tunnel gets brighter each day. Mm-hmm.